Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. If you allow me, I, I promise you, I will give me just a few minutes and it won't take me long to share with my heart. I'd serious, I had a long message, but I will not preach all of it unless the Holy Ghost says. And you know what? It's like when the pastor says, um, you know, I've only got a little bit longer to go and he's already been going an hour and somebody in the church says, go ahead, let the Lord have his way, pastor. And everybody else is looking at him like... We have been in a series and we started last Sunday and then we continued Wednesday night and we're here today. And I want to give you the third part of this in an abbreviated form, but I want to talk about T3, which is your time, talent, and treasure. And the thought is don't forget the cheese. And I want you to look at somebody and say, don't forget the cheese. And here it's very fitting. We talk a little bit about food. We have a brand new grill sitting here. Um, and uh, I, I'm about to just whip something up right here. My son-in-law is really going to have his work cut out for him. <laughs> he has become the chef in our house when it comes to the grill. But uh, I want to minister on this thought because we have been talking about being a T3 Christian. That means a Christian that is committed to three things. You're committed to your time your talent and your treasure belonging unto the Lord. And I believe that every gift that God gave you from the Father of lights, it came from above. It came into your life so that you could also be a person that would utilize all of those gifts. And we thank you for that. But I want to give you a definition uh, for what it means to be a steward of those gifts. And I shared with you last week that it is the conducting, the supervising or the managing of something. So when God says that he give you a gift, he expects you to steward your gift. Many of you are stewarding your gift this morning. Amen? Well, if he gave you the gift of hair, you are stewarding your gift this morning. Amen? How many are thankful that the person next to you is stewarding their gift? Well, maybe they no longer have that gift, but how many know? <laughs> Some people throw theirs out on the highway, but how many know that... If you have it, hold on to it. Amen. <laughs> if you have it. But you have a gift and it is your responsibility to steward that gift, whether it's a occupation, whether it's a, a skill set or a talent or whatever it is, it's your responsibility to steward that gift. And this is what we call the T3 life, where you have your time, your talent, and your treasure co-mingled together. It is God utilizing all those areas of your life. And how many know there's not just one side to you? And I'm not referring to the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde years in your life. I'm talking about the dimension of who you are. That when God will put a seed in your life, it is for the purpose of where you're going. See, you can't expect a harvest if you don't plant a seed. And you don't plant a seed wish, hoping not to get a harvest. When you put a seed in the ground by law of nature... Let us just presume that 90 days later you will have your soybeans or you will have your Indiana corn. Come on, somebody. And so it is in the ministry. So it is in your family. When you put a seed in the ground, you have the ability at some point to reap the harvest of that seed. Now, whether or not you have tilled the land, you have uh, weeded it, you have provided water and nourishment and refreshment for it, will depend on the, uh, the largeness or the maximization of that seed and that harvest. But we have a responsibility to steward it. So tell your neighbor, say, I'm living the T3 life. 
I want you to go with me to the Old Testament to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And the Bible says in chapter, four, chapter 17 and verse 40, speaking about a young man by the name of David. Most of us in this room and those who are watching have probably heard about this young man named David who was a shepherd boy who became a king. But this is the count where the Israel is at war. And Jesse, the father of David, looks to his son, the shepherd boy, the youngest of his family, his offspring, and gives him instruction and tells him, this is where I want you to go and this is what I want you to do. How many know when your parents give you an instruction that you don't get an allowance at the end of the week if you've not performed what you've been instructed? If your boss at work tells you to do something, how many know you don't get a promotion or a nickel raise when it comes time for review if you have been leaving work early and not following an instruction? Now, I know that's nobody here because we all sanctified and we follow the rules and the church said. But Jesse gives his youngest boy instruction. And have you ever had somebody tell you to do something that you really didn't want to do? It's like telling your child, I need you to take the trash out on Thursday night because Friday morning they come early. And the child's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to stop playing my video games. You're like, boy, you better put that video game down. I'll snatch it up out of your hand. And they say, okay, I'll do it. And then they run over and they snatch out the trash and they drag it all the way down the driveway where all the uh, contents rip out because they didn't want to do it, but they had to do it. How many know what I'm talking about? I didn't want to do it, but I had to do it. So mom and daddies ought to be amen to me right here. And sometimes you will give an instruction to somebody and they don't understand the significance of the instruction, that there is blessings in the details. And sometimes God will test you to see what's in you. Sometimes God will test you to see can you follow the instruction. If somebody gives you a bullet pointed instruction, can you adhere to every one of them? And I know based on our personality type, some of us learn differently. We comprehend different. Sometimes we're visual people and some people are, are analytical people. They need to know everything. Some people just need to show me a picture and I've got it in my mind. And so we learn differently. But when you are given an instruction from the Lord, it is always to take you up. It may not be what you want to hear. Sometimes the pastor may preach a message and you're like, man, he was all up in my business. Well, that wasn't him. That was the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost giving us instruction. But the Bible said that the word of God is for reproof and for instruction for the word of God. And I don't know if I'm the only one here. I assume I'm not that we need instruction. Elbow somebody and say, get off your phone and follow instructions. Come on, smile. The Bible said that Jesse gave his son an instruction in verse 40. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a script. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. By the time we reach chapter 17 and verse 40, David is on the other side of his instruction. David has followed and done what his daddy said. And now he has the opportunity to go to a dimension and to a level that he did not ever see himself coming to. 
He did never see himself fighting a, a, a Philistine by the name of, Gol of Goliath. He never saw himself waging war on a battlefield in the Valley of Eli. He never saw that he would be this kind uh, of, of militant, militant young man. But take note of the items that David had in his possession. For the Bible says that when he was given charge to and given the authority of Saul to go ahead and take off the head of Goliath in this battle, that David had several things that he had already brought with him. Take note of those because when he went to serve his brothers at his father's request, he already had some stuff. I've got to stop right here and say this, that when God gives you an instruction... Often the person or him giving you that instruction is already contingent on the fact that God knows what you already have in you. That God knows already that you have certain skill sets and certain gifts that he already knows and presumes that you will use for the furtherance. So sometimes God will give you a blank check or give you a specific thing and say, this is what I want you to do. But he knows full well that you already have a set of tools in your toolbox that you take with you everywhere you go. That he don't have to supply everything for you. You by ingenuity will already figure out this is something that I can do. And many times we're asking God to do stuff for us that he's already gifted us to do. We're asking God to perform miracles when God said, why don't you become the miracle for someone else? And the Bible says that he had several things in his hand. And I want you to notice, first of all, he had his staff. His shepherd's staff. The shepherd's staff was an essential part of his, uh, of his shepherding. He carried it with him. You know he used that staff when he cared for the sheep as a young man, caring for them stinking sheep. Come on, somebody out there with them bleeding around and having to keep protecting them from the bears and the lions and the wolves. And here's David, the youngest, the ruddy man he was. He's out there as a teenager just saying, I'm out here because nobody else will do this job. But he had a shepherd's staff that he had learned to become very skillful with it. He had learned how to use his staff to fight off the enemy. Come on, somebody. Sometimes God will give you a gift that is twofold. Sometimes God will give you something for now and for later. And he had his staff with him. Why? Because his occupation was that of a shepherd. He also, the Bible said that he picked up five stones out of the brook. They were five smooth stones. He was very careful to pick out the stones that he knew would fit in his sling. Not just anything, but something that he had already proven. And the Bible said that he reached down and he picked up five stones and put them in his shepherd's bag. It was also the place where he kept his script. If he had any money at all. He would have kept it in his script, his shepherd's bag. He would put those five stones in a bag that he also carried with him. And then the Bible said that he had his sling, that old trusty sling. It was a, his weapon of offense and his weapon of defense. He, I don't know how many pop cans he knocked off the fence row uh, practicing his slingshot. I don't know how many things that David did in order to become Brother Eric a very skilled slinger. Come on somebody. But David had these elements with him. Say this with me. He had his staff, 
he had his stones, he had the shepherd's bag, and he had his sling. These were the things that were already in his possession. When you are called upon to serve, when you are called upon to lead, it is a given that you have already had certain things in your toolbox, things that are in your possession that over the process of time you have learned to acquire. You have acquired them through time. You have acquired them through impartation because some things are caught and some things are taught. You learn how to acquire certain skills, certain mannerisms, certain etiquette, certain skills in your life over the process of time and impartation. Somebody say time and impartation. And what fascinates me about David is he comes to fight Goliath. He has no clue. He has no idea that he's going to fight this giant. He doesn't come down to the battlefield to fight. He comes down to serve. That's why he came to the battlefield. Not to fight. Not to get another, uh, uh, another uh, uh, bee in his bonnet or get some kind of feather in his cap. That wasn't why he was there. Not to get another badge so he could put it upon his chest. But he came down to serve. And I want to show you something very quickly in this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 17 because it's not something that we preach a lot about it's not spectacular it's not spotlightish it's not something that is full of fanfare it's not something that we want to draw attention to because a lot of us like to talk about the bag of rocks and his five smooth stones and talk about what he killed with those rocks but I'm going to tell you that they're looking at the wrong bag that David had in his life because David did not go down to the valley to fight. He did not come prepared to fight. He came prepared to serve. He came prepared to give of himself. Now go back from verse 40 to verse 13 and come with me on this. And the Bible says in verses 13 on into 19 and verse 13, and the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle and the name of his three sons that went to the battle were Eliab who was the firstborn and next unto him Abinadab and the third was Shammah. For those of you that would take notes today, let me tell you that these three oldest sons of Jesse joined Saul's army and knew they were going to fight. They anticipated the fight. They were like, sign me up. I want to be part of the fight. Eliab, who is the firstborn, his name means God is my father. Abinadab, who is the secondborn, his name means father of a vow. And Shammah, who's the third, his name means lost desolation and astonishment. I want you to understand that I don't even have time to unpack the name of Eliab and Abinadab and Shammah this morning, but I want you to know that everybody's name has a meaning and every name and every meaning contributes sometimes not just figurative, but literally in their life and in their purpose. And the Bible said that these three oldest went on ahead. How many know they were the first three that went ahead of David anyway, when Samuel came down to anoint a new king, it was Eliab who stood up and first said, I'm firstborn, I, I've earned my right. And then it was Abinadab, and then it was Shammah, and on down, but none of them did God choose to be the king. Verse 14 said, David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And when I read this part, I thought somebody had to work. Somebody had to clock in. 
Everybody can't golf all day. Come on, somebody. Somebody's got to carry the mail. He had chores to fulfill. And so when his brothers went to the battle, he went on back doing what he knew he was responsible to do. Look at verse 16. And the Philistine Goliath drew near morning and evening and presented himself for how many days? 40 days. Can I just give you quickly that 40 days is speaks of judgment. 40 always means in scripture, it speaks of judgment and it speaks of testing. It speaks of probation. It speaks of trial. When God destroyed the earth with a flood, the Bible said that it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Moses spent the second 40 of his years of his 120. He spent the second 40 years in the wilderness tending to flocks. Moses was on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. The spies went into Canaan and spied out the land of Canaan for 40, 40 days. Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. There was 40 days between Jesus's resurrection and his ascension. Can I just preach in here and tell you that 40 days is a long time to be dealing with the same menace by the name of Goliath. 40 days he got up in the morning and made his bold proclamation, bring me somebody to fight me. Bring somebody who is man enough to fight me. Every morning he defied the armies of the living God. 40 days is a long time to contend with somebody who has bad breath. 40 days is a long time to put up with somebody's attitude. 40 days is a long time. Come on somebody. Somebody said 40 days 40 seconds pastor. From morning to evening Goliath got up and decided he was going to defy the armies of the living God and David is witnessing some of this. Can I tell you that verse 17 that Jesse said unto David his son, take now for thy brethren. Where are they at? They're on the battlefield. They're preparing for war. Take now for thy brethren an ephah. Ephah means a bushel. It's the size of a bushel in our English language. He said take a bushel of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run and give them into the camp to thy brethren. So he was told specific instruction. Somebody say it's in the details. He was given instruction to take corn and to take what? Loaves of bread to his brothers. Then he's given a further instruction and carry these 10 cheeses. It's almost like God, God, that Jesse was saying, and oh, by the way, let me also tell you, I want you to sow into the captains of the thousands. I want you to give the cheeses to the captains. So the brothers get the corn and the bread, serve them, and the captains get the cheese, serve them. Now the Bible says in verse 19 that Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So I want you to understand that they're fighting with the same old enemy, the same old menace, the same distraction. Some of you understand that. You've been, every time you turn around, it's the same problem. It's the same person in your family giving fits. It's the same issue. And every time you turn around, you think you just got victory and now you got to contend with this old nasty spirit again. Who am I preaching to? The same old Philistine, the same old 
enemy. But I want you to catch this about David. David wasn't sent to fight. David was sent to serve. Somebody ought to praise God. He wasn't sent to fight. He was sent to serve. He was to bring the lunch to his brothers. And sometimes your greatest calling is to serve those who are on the front line. Everybody don't get a mic. Everybody don't stand in a pulpit. Everybody don't drive a vehicle. Everybody don't stand in a place of authority. Your greatest strength can, and your greatest gift can be assisting those who are on the front line to bring strength to the people who are in harm's way. Every Paul needs a Timothy. Every Moses needs a Joshua. Every Elijah needs an Elisha. Every Jonathan needs an armor bearer. Every pastor needs elders and deacons. And there are the people who take the heat out of the flame for their leader. These are the people who disarm volatile situations and put the enemy down. These are the people who hold up the arms of the feeder, the leader, and the visionary. Let me preach in here. Often before you're called to fight, your first call is to serve. To serve in someone else's dream. If you can serve someone else's dream, God will make your dream come to pass. Everybody wants to talk about David's bag of rocks, but I want to talk about his bag of groceries. I want to talk about the bushel. Elbow your neighbor and say the bushel. Because it's the bushel that brought the blessing. It was the bushel. Man, I'm hungry. It was the bushel that brought the blessing. He had to be able to carry the bushel before he could handle the battle. The bushel prepared him for the battle. You have to carry the bushel before you get the bag of rocks. The problem today is that everybody is trying to, to get to the bag of rocks. But until you handle the bushel, you don't get the bag. It's quiet in here. Stay with me. Until you handle the bushel, you don't get the bag. Until you serve, you don't fight. Everybody wants to lead. Nobody wants to follow. Everybody wants to be in control. Nobody wants to submit. Everybody wants to be the boss. Nobody wants to follow direction. We need a generation of people who will find their place to serve for if you find your bushel, you'll find your blessing. He does not get called to fight. Jesse didn't say, look here, boy, I need you to go down to the battle because they're losing. I need more men to show up to fight. Go down and help your brothers fight. That's not what Jesse said. He said, you're not even one of them. You didn't get called to this battle. You're not even one of them, but what you are is you're a blessing because I want you to bring them lunch. I want you to provide for them. And until David was faithful with the bushel, he, come on, help me preach here. Until David was faithful with the bushel, until he was faithful with what he had been charged to do, until he could be trusted to carry the bushel, oh, come on, as if it was the most important thing for him to do, he would never find power in the bag of rocks. Until he understood the power that is in the bushel. Can I get an amen from somebody in this house that understands there is power in the bushel? 
And I see people running all around with all kinds of bags. But it was not the bag that brought him into his destiny. It was the simple bushel of bringing lunch to the bigger guys. Bringing lunch to the people older than him. He had to come to serve someone else. And in the process of serving someone else, he begins to discover who he is. He begins to discover his personality and his attributes. And he understands who he is by helping someone else find out who they are. David understood the power of the bushel, that his destiny and his miracle and his placement in the body could never be revealed until he first served someone that he saw as greater than he could not even find himself. You don't know who you are until you have found out who someone else is. David had to learn his place, my God. He had to learn how to submit. He had to learn all these things. When I first began youth work, I, I would attend pastoral meetings and leadership and board meetings and different functions in our denominational group. And every time we would get to the lunch time, they would send me to town to get lunch. And sometimes I felt unappreciated because the attitude of them older men wasn't always gracious. They were just like... Go ahead and do this. They didn't have much of a, uh, some of them didn't have much of a, of a good uh, way of communicating and demeanor because you know it's not what you say, it's how you say it. You can make somebody feel less than or you can empower them with affirmation. A real father will affirm you. Come on somebody. When you have been affirmed, then you don't have to wonder who you are and you don't have to go around trying to prove who you are because your daddy has already affirmed you. And this is what was lacking in that moment, not by all of those people, but a few of them. And they would send me to town to get lunch. And sometimes I felt unappreciated. I felt like I was doing all the grunt work. They just putting all this extra work on me. I'm just as important as they are. Bless God. I'm God has called me into the ministry. Bless God. I'm just as important. And here they were sending me to go to KFC, to go to Long John Silver's. And I'm standing in these long lines and I'm getting all this food. I'm handling all the grunt work. And when I get back, if it's not right, they're going to complain. I've got to do all of this. I've got to put up with all of this mess. And little did I know that it was in those formative years that God was preparing me with a bushel, that God was giving me the groceries because he knew one day I'd be on a battlefield. You don't get to the battlefield till you have to handle somebody else's bushel. Can I just preach in here and tell you I had to learn how to submit, how to serve with a good attitude, and how to perfect my service. We've lost the art of serving. We want to be seen. We want to be recognized. We want to be important. But when God is using you in a mighty way, he'll give you a bushel before he unlocks the bag. I want to go deeper and I talk to you that David, not just David, but I'm using David as a leaping pad to talk about the son of David. Jesus is the son of David. Jesus at this paradigm shift that would change the next 2,000 years does not come riding in on a horse with 10,000 angels behind him. 
Instead, Jesus is born where? He is born in a manger and wrapped in swaddling clothes, hidden in a poor place amongst the mundane things. In fact, Philippians said he took on himself the form of a servant. He decided I'm not coming as a king. I'm not coming as a captain. I'm not coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm coming as a lamb first. I'm going to enter in as a mundane. And the Bible says in Philippians 2, who being the form of God, thought it not a robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Can I tell you that Jesus thought this is not robbery for me to be considered equal with God, but yet I will make myself of no reputation. It bothers me when I hear people say they talked about me. They trying to ruin my reputation. I know the pain of that, but I have to ask you the question. I thought you weren't even supposed to have a reputation. The Bible said that Jesus emptied himself and he took up on himself no reputation. He humbled himself. And you see, listen to me, when I was telling you about David bringing lunch to his brethren, I forgot to tell you that David would be the brother's king one day. He was bringing lunch to the people that he would lead. Come on. He was bringing lunch to the people that he would set a table for. He was bringing lunch. He humbled himself. He served them. And when it would all be over, the brothers would be, he was bringing lunch to the people that he would be, that they would be serving him. The very one who brought them the KFC. Come on. Ten parched ears of corn and, and ten loaves. Come on. He humbled himself. You're not hearing me this morning. And I tell somebody the reason this makes some people uncomfortable is because many of us have been groomed to become too important. I'm important. You talk about being a servant, it makes people, it pulls on people. Mm-mm. Pulls on people. I ain't going to serve. We have been groomed to be important. Preaching there, pastor. We've not been groomed to be a servant. We're so against being a servant that we've taught our children now to be arrogant. And in the process of making them arrogant, they're now grown and incompetent. Because we're not groomed to serve in our Western Hemisphere where every child has a $10,000 cell phone. We are groomed to be important. And then we set our children up telling them they are so important that they become arrogant. This is going against somebody. I feel this. It's hurting right here. It's, this is digging on somebody. Mm. It, lock the doors, ushers. Don't let nobody out. I'm just teasing. We are so arrogant that now our children are incompetent, unable. God forbid that you be seen as a servant. So you got little Henry sticking his chest out about nothing, showing his tennis shoes. He's got more on his feet than he has in his head. 
I wish we'd go back to serving again. Because if you humble yourself, the Bible says in due time, he will exalt you. First Peter 5 and 6, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in what time? In due time. And I want to say this to you before I close. I have served my way into everything that I have. I served my way into everything I have. When I met Don, Susan Norton, I was preaching, Beverly and I were preaching in Houston at a, at a revival and Don and Susan came to the meeting. I did not know them. They big wheels in the kingdom. And they took time out of their busy schedule to come over on like a Monday or Tuesday night to sit in this little meeting with us. Don called me after the meeting and said, I've wrote a book on miracles and I'm flying to South Bend, Indiana to be on Lester Summerall Station. If I fly into Indy, will you armor bear for me? I said, yes, sir. He flew into Indianapolis. I picked him up at the airport. My car was pristine and clean because you don't pick up the man of God in a dirty vehicle. It's quiet in here. I picked him up. We went to South Bend and for the next two days, he poured into me. I served him. He come and stopped by on his way out of town and preached here in Indianapolis at our church. And it opened up doors for me. Doors would open up and he would then invite us to come to in Houston and preach at his conference on preaching circus with preachers like Nathan Morris and Samuel Rodriguez and, and Bishop Daryl Hines and all of these folks. Ronzel. Doors opened thousands of people there. I served my way to everything I have access to today. I'm trying. I don't need your applause. I'm just trying to get you to understand. This is for somebody today. You got to serve your way to everything that God has for you. By serving our spiritual fathers, God has opened amazing doors for us. Bishop Ming, who is the presiding bishop of the Pentecostal Church of God in Dallas, Texas, called me one afternoon and said, I need you to go to Brazil on my behalf. I cannot make the meeting. I'm sending you in my place. I'm so thankful for the call. I said, yes, we got our passports. We got our our, our visas and we flew to Brazil representing someone else. The only reason I got the invitation is because someone else declined. And I'm not here to say, oh, I don't know. They made me second choice. Oh, I'm just glad to have a seat anywhere. I served my way in. That my bishop will call me and say, I need you to go and represent me. You've been carrying the bushel for a while. You got groceries you've been carrying and you've ministered to me with. Now I want to give you the rocks for the stones that you need in the bag. You're going to trade the bushel of groceries for a bag of rocks and represent me on foreign soil. I don't have time to preach all this and tell you that the first time we went to Brazil, God opened that door because we served our way into it. I've come to ask you to look at your life today. Look at how you served your way into everything you got. Look at how you worked and how you cried 
cried and sweated and labored and crawled and then God blessed you and the Bible said that you'll shine after you have suffered a while. He'll establish you and he will perfect you. I hear a prophetic word for somebody. If you don't go down right, you can't come up right. You got to go down in order to get up. You got to serve your way in to everything you have. As you stand at your feet today, can I say this to you? That God wants you to have a bushel before you get the bag of rocks. You know, some people say, I want to serve and I want to do this. And really what they're saying is, I want to be out front. But what about the people who serve in the toilet ministry? They scrub toilets. They serve their way through. You don't ever know what God has for you because of someone who served. When my father and mother served our pastor in Uniontown, Ohio, and they mowed the yard and they cleaned the church and they were there every time the doors were open and they had a positive attitude. And when people tried to talk about our pastor and his children, and that happened, I remember it, and, and that my mom and daddy refused to be ear to it. They would not lay their mouth or their hand upon the man of God. It didn't matter if they agreed or disagreed. They just knew principle and they knew protocol. You just don't say, you don't put your mouth on a man or a servant of God. You don't do it even if they wrong. You don't, you don't put your mouth or your hand. I don't know why I'm saying this today, but you just don't. You learn how to operate and flow. And they served and served and served. And then one day when God opened a door for my daddy and the pastor blessed my daddy and said, I'm sending you out. You see, some people are sent and some people just went. But he was sent. And every move that I've made has been patterned after that because I know the power of ascending. Uh, well, you would carry the groceries and you would carry the corn and you would carry, oh my, the load of bread and then you'd have to carry go back and pick up the cheese you forgot and carry it to the more higher ups and make sure that you minister to them you see we're in a culture in America in our western hemisphere unlike anything we are don't do not get mad at me and write me if you email anybody email Pastor Wayne he'll deal with you but I'm going to tell you something we are in a culture where we want everything handed to us and the church air conditioner is too cold and the seats are too soft oh my God get out of this country and go around the world. I've traveled all around this world and I'm telling you, in the United States of America, we are not only blessed, but let me just say to us spoiled folks, we are a spoiled people who expect everything to be handed to us. It's quiet in here, but I'm preaching what I've seen with my own two eyes. We are a blessed nation. We are a blessed country and we need to cry out to God and never forget our place of service to get down on your knees and get down down before somebody and to wash their feet and to serve them. How do you become a T3 Christian with your time, your talent, and your treasure? You carry the bushel. You just carry the bag. Somebody said, what do you got in that bag? Oh, I got some cheese in here. I got some loaves in here. I got some corn in here. Oh, you got all that? What you gonna do? Set up a picnic for somebody? Yeah, if that's what God wants me to, I'm gonna feed everybody else. I'm gonna serve everybody 
everybody else. I'm going to make sure that people have what they need because I didn't come down to this valley of Elah in order to fight, but I ended up being trading my bushel in for a bag of rocks because there was somebody that recognized the anointing that is upon my life. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to name drop. You don't have to let everybody know you're related to so-and-so. You just have to carry a bushel. You just got to carry a bushel anointing and the groceries will carry you into the battlefield. God has anointed you. Somebody begin to thank God that the battle is coming and God trusts you. He trusted you with the rocks because he was able to trust you with the groceries. Don't forget the cheese, my friend. Don't forget the cheese. Carry the cheese, Brother Samuel, as you have been anointed of the Lord. And God is making room for you. He's given you your real both. Because the Lord will expand anybody who gets down to serve. When I when Isaac redug the wells of his father, he was carrying a bag of groceries to redeem what was taken and to restore the honor of his fathers. It's in serving. Holy Ghost, do a work in our heart today. And today, speak to us where we are. And if there's one of us today that is hearing this message and saying, God, I know as you have called me to the battle, but help me to find my bushel first. And don't become weary because God was sitting, if you humble yourself in due time, in due time, you don't ever have to make it happen. You let it happen. You're not self-called. You're not mommy called. You're not daddy called. You have fathers for that. Fathers will call you. Fathers will affirm what he called. God does the calling. Men just confirm what God has already said. So today, would you lift your hands and say, today, God, I want to serve you. I'm a T3 Christian. I brought the cheese. I brought the corn. I brought the bread. And I'm going to carry the bushel to whatever place you have me. God, if it's carrying this bushel for many more years, I know, I know, I know I'm on my way because you trust me. You trust me. My God, you trust me, Lord. Hands are raised across this building. You're surrendering it all to God. God, I give it all to you. I give you my life. I give you my future. I give you my heart. I give you my home. I give all that I am to you, Father. Thank you for God for trusting me to carry carry the cheese, to carry the bread, to carry the corn. And today I'm going to live my life with focus and purpose. Father, today I surrender my life to you. I don't know exactly who's here, who's watching, but I do know this, that the Bible says that those that are in need of salvation, that if you call on the name of the Lord, that you shall be saved. And today we'll reach out and call on you, Jesus. And thank you for your grace and mercy in our life. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 